Hey everybody, my name is Matt Kuman. I am the group's pastor here at the Foundry. So excited to be with you guys today. Um, we are right now in this series, uh, we're going through the book of Proverbs. And I hope you got a chance to read devotions this week. It's in a book called Wisdom for the One Who Made the Road. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time this year looking through the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that comes from that. Um, and I love the illustration that Eric used a few weeks ago a few weeks ago when he was introing this this group of teachings is this idea that when when we're hiking there's specific things that we want in our backpack right if you're going overnight you want a sleeping bag you want extra food um if you are hiking in the mountains or out west, maybe you want bear spray, right? Bear spray is a good thing to have if you're coming across a bear. Um, But what he also said is this idea that um, the book of Proverbs is not a bunch of life hacks. Like if you do this, great things are going to happen. They're things that you need to know um, in order to walk the road. They're not necessarily going to fix all of your problems, but they are going to be of huge assistance. So like when you think about bear spray, if you come across a bear, you need to know how to take the bear spray out. And it's almost like a fire extinguisher where you pop that thing out and you need to know how to use it. Right? It's not going to prevent the bear from running at you, but it's helpful to know how to use. Um, and in the same way with these teachings over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how to use some specific things um, directly relating to the content and the character of God and how we can equip those things in our, into our lives and put them into our backpacks for the life that we're going to be living. So today I am excited for this teaching because we're going to be looking at the word righteous. And that's a word that we don't often use very much. I don't have it in my vocabulary very much. And as I was processing that word, I think it's primarily because I don't even fully understand what righteous means. Right? And I hope today we can get a better glimpse of that because we don't use the word very much. If you're out west and you're in California, you may hear that there are some righteous waves out there. Right? You're a surfer dude. You're righteous. Right? You may hear those things, but I want to give you a better idea today of what righteous looks like and how we can be equipped with that and put those in our backpack for the road ahead. Um, So the scripture passage we're looking at today comes out of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 2, verse 20, and it says this. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. So when I think uh, about righteous, I have to really look at what what I do in my life almost like what what actions in my life are righteous what makes me righteous that's initially what I think and I'll explain why that's probably the wrong way to think in just a bit but when I look at my life um, especially when I was younger and what I thought was righteous um, there's a there's an example when I was in seventh grade I um, the way I would make money in seventh grade was we lived on a gravel road on Otagon, just south of Zealand. And it was a road that people would um, drink beverages and throw them out the window. So I would have plenty of opportunities to pick up cans along the road. And that is how I made some extra money when I was a kid. Um, and the agreement was 10% of anything I made, um, the tithe would go back to God, whether that was at church or whether that was a different mission or some special thing that I felt like God was calling me to give in this area. Um, so 
In seventh grade, I had the opportunity to, the teacher actually passed out a few pamphlets like, there are some countries, I don't even remember specifically what one, but there are some countries who need farm animals because they are looking for cows that give milk and chickens for eggs, um, and they need these extra farm animals. So I'm like, oh, that, that's such a cool idea. I love that idea. At the time, I wanted to be a farmer, so I thought, oh, this is great. I'll give my tithe to that. So... I saved up all of this money over the course of like six months. And the day that we were all able to bring some money for this organization, I, I walked in with, with a, a good chunk of money from the tithe. And I was actually pretty proud of myself. I, I was happy with what I did. I kind of handed it over to the teacher and I said, I'd like so many goats. I actually bought goats. I thought it was funny to buy goats for some reason. I bought a bunch of goats and a bunch of chickens. And to be honest with you, looking back at that moment, I thought, I'm pretty righteous. Like I, I, this, this is what righteous feels like. I'm doing some good deeds. Um, I'm making a difference. I, I, I looked behind me at the class and I thought, there's a lot of people see who are looking at me thinking, oh yeah, he, he's a good person. This is what makes people righteous. And that's what I thought I had in my head. Like that's, when I th- initially think of righteous, that's the thought I have. Um, But when I dove into some of the scripture passages, um, I realized that that, those thoughts are actually false associations with what righteousness is. Uh, Behaviors don't point to righteousness. Um, And I had to learn that, um, especially over the last few years, that what we do, the good deeds that we do, don't mean that we're righteous. And righteousness actually comes from something very different. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. um, Because there are false assumptions with righteousness. We often think that um, our self-holiness, like how we portray ourselves, um, if we portray ourselves in a holy way, that is what makes us righteous. But at the end of the day, it's not. So, what, what does righteousness actually mean? Um, and what does the Bible say about righteousness? Um, I want to specifically look at somebody who God calls righteous in the Bible. Because um, I think there's no better way than, than looking in the Bible. And a great story comes uh, at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 6. So it's the story of Noah um, in chapters 6 through 9. goes through a bunch of his story. And I want to explain some of that to you. I'll, I'll be reading some of the scripture word for word, and I'll be filling in some gaps along the way as well. Uh, but what we read right away from Genesis 6, right in the beginning, it says this, Noah was a righteous man blameless among all the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So right away, we see Noah is a righteous man. So if you're anything like me, you're thinking, okay, what makes him righteous? Right? What did he do that made him righteous? So I started looking uh, in the beginning of the Bible. Does Noah come up before this moment? What, what behaviors did Noah do to make him righteous? Um, and as I was doing that, I got a bit more of the context of the story. Found out that the world was actually turning to sin. Um, They were not following the ways of God anymore. Um, Adam and Eve, uh, then they had kids and they had kids. And those kids were starting to fall away from who God was and what God was trying to teach them. The world became full of sin. Um, 
And God saw this and looked at Noah and he saw someone who was righteous. And we'll get into that in just a bit. But he saw someone who was righteous and he said, Noah, I want you to build an ark um, because I'm going to send a flood that's going to wipe out all the sin of the earth at that moment. Um, so what Noah does is he says, okay, he, he builds an ark. And imagine what that must have looked like in that day and age. This, this long-haired guy probably building a huge boat. Imagine the culture around him saying, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. For what? It's going to rain for a long time, right? Imagine the conversations and the pushback he would have gotten from the culture of asking, why are you wasting your time doing this? Why are you doing these things? Imagine what that must have looked like. Um, And God told him, Um, after the ark was built, to get a bunch of animals together, to get two of each kind of animal and bring them on the ark. Um, And when I look at that, I think, Noah, couldn't you have forgotten a few animals? You know, like mosquitoes, really? I don't understand the point of that. Maybe snakes. Snakes I'm not really good with either. Um, My wife would say spiders. Let's just knock that out right at the beginning of time. So that's probably the first question I'm going to ask Noah when I get up to heaven's back. What's your deal with this? But the Lord said to Noah, after he gathered up all of these animals, he said, go onto the ark, you and your whole family, because, you, because I have found you righteous in this generation. So again, we hear this word righteous. Why does God say Noah is righteous? Story continues. Um, like God said, the rain did come, and a lot of rain came. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and water filled the world. And the ark rose up, and um, it floated. And what we find, um, it says in verse 13, uh, by the first day of the months of Noah's 601st year. You heard that right. Noah was 601 years old. Very, very old man. Um, he had sent a dove out out from the ark to see once, he actually sent some ravens first, to see once if they would bring any vegetation back. Like the waters are starting to recede. Um, are we able to get out of this boat soon? Uh, so this is what happens. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 600 and first year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. So there's a lot of different dates and numbers in there. If you add up all of those different dates and how long it rained and how long the waters receded, we find that Noah and his family and all the animals were on that ark for over a year. They spent some serious time on the ark. Um, Imagine if you were in that spot. If you were in Noah's family, he opens up the door and you see dry land, what would you do? You you burst out of there, right? You burst out of there like a bucking bronco getting released from the gates, like game on, it's freedom, I'm in the world. But it, we don't read that that happens, right? We read, we find out that Noah actually waits. He opens the door and we read in these next verses, uh, verse 15 says this, then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. Noah waited for the guidance of God to say, okay, it's, it's time to come out. Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you. The birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply 
on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with the sons and his wives and his wife and his son's wives and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds. Everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah scopes out where he wants to build his house because the whole earth is now his. Now that's not what the next verse says. That's not what happens. Immediately Noah steps out um, and these verses continue. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. You see, what, what I find fascinating is that we often, um, I would say in my life, we often put on a show for people to make them think that we're holy that we have a great relationship with God, that we are doing a lot of good deeds, that we're serving in a lot of aspects. What we find in this story is Noah doesn't have anyone to show off to anymore. I mean, the earth has been wiped out. And yet the first thing that Noah does when he gets out of the boat is he gives thanks to God. He gives thanks to God. So my question in this, and one thing I realized, um, what what we didn't hear in this story, right? The things that we didn't hear in this story. We didn't hear that Noah does this, he does this, and he does this, and because of those things, he was righteous in God's eyes. We don't see that anywhere. We actually don't see a lot of behaviors that Noah did or a lot of the actions or attributes in his life that made him righteous. See, Noah lived a righteous life, but that only be, came because of the things that came around it. You see, righteousness actually produces the works that come out of it. Um, I'll get into it just a little bit, but righteousness actually produces those works, not the other way around. Often I get in the mindset that if I do these specific things, if I do, if I do service, um, if I spend time in my devotions, if I, I build that relationship with God, if I do this, if I, I give money somewhere, um, I will be righteous. But that's not how righteousness works. You see, those things are good, right? Those things are great things, but those come out of righteousness. See, what I, what I love is... Um, this idea and this concept of how do we become righteous, we, we actually probably shouldn't be asking how to become righteous. We, we shouldn't be trying to become righteous because all of those things only come from Christ. I love how uh, Romans 3 puts it in this way. It says, all of us are born into complete bondage of sin, unable to produce any sort of righteousness on our own. Um, and You'll hear this often here, that sin isn't what we do. Sin is who we are. Sin is inside of us. Sin is what we are without Christ. And because of those things, if we, if we put righteousness in front of the horse, that if we do all these good deeds, we'll become righteous, we've got it completely flipped. Because if we allow Christ to work through our lives, if we look at the story of Noah and see, yeah, he... He was doing good things, but those only came because he allowed God to work through his life. He allowed God to guide him in all things. I also like how Isaiah says it. It says, as a matter of fact, Isaiah says that our attempts to produce righteousness on our own are disgusting in the eyes of God. So when we try and manufacture 
righteousness, when we try and get the appearance that we are righteousness or that we are righteous, God actually hates that. He doesn't like that view of us when we're trying to portray those things in our lives. You see, we are made righteous by what Christ has done in our lives. We're made righteous because Christ died on the cross for our sins and he he suffered on the cross. We're made righteous because of those things. And now we're free to live in that righteousness because of what Christ has done, that we're no longer bound to that sin because Christ has paid that penalty. You see, even when, I think back, even to when our our best deeds, our best acts of service are used with the purest of forms um, unless that motivation is to bring Christ higher, to point people to Christ. Where are our intentions? If our motivations aren't in all of the good things that we do, if they're not pointing to Christ, who do they point to? And I think the answer for me and maybe it is for you too is My acts of service, if they're not pointing to Christ, if they're not pointing to who God is and what he's done in my life, they're pointing to myself. I'm lifting myself up when I'm doing good things and I'm not pointing to Christ. You see, when I think back to seventh grade, when I bought all of those, the the goat and all these chickens for those families, uh, I don't know if I had the mindset of pointing people to Christ. Because after I turned that money over, I looked around me to see who had noticed. See, what are our motives? What are the motives we have for doing all these good things? What are the motives we have for giving money or serving or, or doing different things in our life that are good for other people? What are our motives? See, these motives, if they're not pointing to Christ... They're self-righteous motives. And what we know about self-righteousness is that is completely viewed as a sin. If the real motivation isn't out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the the righteousness that we're portraying is actually self-righteousness if we're not pointing to who God is. See, I hope, and what I learned out of this, and I hope you learned this too, is this idea that we're completely incapable of producing, uh, producing righteousness. That only comes because of what Christ has done in our life. If Christ works through us, that, that, that righteousness automatically comes out of us. I love um, the illustration that Eric used, I think it was a few months ago already now, this idea of an apple tree. Right? And an apple tree is not so concerned about producing rocks or oranges. It's not worried about those things. An apple tree naturally produces apples. That's just what it does. If we're rooted in Christ, if we allow God's guidance in our life, righteousness will naturally come out of us. Um, see, here's where it gets hard. Because the application piece of what righteousness is in our lives and how to take righteousness and start going to do it. If you hear out of this message that, okay, these are the things I have to do now to get righteousness, then I have completely missed the boat on this one here because I I don't want you walking away thinking, okay, these are are behaviors I need to start in my life to gain this righteousness. Um, 
This is what I want you to leave with today, and these specific questions I want you to think about. What are the good things that you're doing today? What are the good things that you've done over the last week or the course of this year so far? We've been in this year now for two, three weeks. What are the good things that you've done? Think specifically right now to those things. And then take a step back after finding that specific thing and think, what was my motive to doing that? See, when I, when I do that, I, many of my motives don't always point to Christ. I think about a lot of the good things I do in my life, and I, I think I'm a fairly good person, and I, I try really hard to point to Christ, but when I think about the good things that I'm doing in my life, I think I'm missing the boat on some things too. See, I think there there are so many things that we can do in our lives that can point to Christ, but instead they point to how good we are. I'm going to be honest, the uh, non-Christians in the world give money to organizations. Non-Christians in the world buy goats and chickens um, because they're good things to do. Non-Christians in the world do good deeds and they serve in homes and kitchens to help feed the poor. All of those things happen regardless if you're a Christian or not. What makes us different is the motivation that comes through that. What have you done this year? What have you done this week? What have you done today? And what is your motivation around it? See, I think if we really check our motives, we would ask, uh, are we serving in a way that points people to Christ? Or are our motives to make ourselves look better? I think as college student or as high school students, um, I knew a lot of students that were trying to fill a resume and be able to send those to colleges. Or if you're about ready to go to work, you want to create this perfect resume and you want areas where you served and you want areas that you did, did different things. And all of those things are good, but who are we trying to lift up in those things? And... I don't know if you're as challenged as me in this, but I seriously needed to rethink how my motives are in my life and am I pointing all of those things to Christ? Because what's crazy to think to me is this idea that there are people out there that will interact with us once. And if my motivation in the good things that I do, if, if that motivation is impure and is not pointing them to Christ, they're only going to think I'm a better person and that does nothing for the kingdom of God. See, it, man, we read through the scriptures that if, if it is self-righteousness, it is a sin and it is terrifying for me to think about all of the good things that I've done and if I haven't pointed them to Christ and all of those things, those good things were great but they were sinful if I'm not pointing to Jesus Christ. So church, hear me when I say those words. Ask yourselves, what good deeds are you doing in your life and what is the motivation behind it? Are you doing it to look good? Are you doing it to solely lift up who Jesus Christ is? Check your actions. Check your intentions. And if they're not pointing to Christ... Who are they pointing towards? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the story of Noah that we can look back on and think, what did righteousness look like in his life?
I thank you for sending your son and helping us see that the only way that we're ever able to achieve righteousness is only through Jesus Christ. I ask that as we go about this week, that we look into our motives and we look about look into the deeds that we're doing and we change our motives to pointing only towards you. And that we don't try to build ourselves up and have others look at us in a better way because of all the great things we're doing, but we change that mindset and we change that lens to point only to you. Um, we thank you for your word and all the things it teaches us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey church, I hope this message works through you as much as it did in my life this week. Um, I am so looking forward to thinking about the opportunities that God is going to put in front of my life that I can point people to him um, instead of pointing people to me and how good I am. So I strongly challenge, look at your motives. Look at the opportunities that come forth in your week this week and think how can How can righteousness come out of me because who Jesus Christ is in my life? And how can I point those things towards God? Um, Go with that final blessing this week and hear these words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. Have a great week.